the pew or shake someone's hand, greet them. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. We are still... um, We're still playing with the air conditioning system to try to find that perfect spot. So if you walk in, or not if, when you walk in on a Sunday morning and uh, we're just getting started or the room's not full yet, please don't go, oh my goodness, it's freezing in here, because it probably will be. But uh, within a space of about 15 minutes, we go from no one or one or two in the room to almost 100 in the room. And so the body temperature raises the temperature of the room, of course, very quickly. And so the only way to deal with that is to get it really cool at first. Okay? So if you're prone to freezing to death, uh, then, like, wear layers. Wear, like, a little sweater Men wear a jacket, or I guess you could wear a little sweater if you want to as well. But I guess that sounded sort of biased. It's usually, in my experience, it's usually the ladies that are freezing to death. And so that's, anyway, of course, the older I get, I find myself cooler faster than I used to. And uh, I used to wonder why my grandfather would have it at 78 degrees in his house and think, my Lord, I walk in there, meat's falling off the bone. But I'm not anywhere near setting the temperature to 78 in my house, but uh, I, uh, I don't necessarily like it as cool as I used to. I don't know if it's old age or... Anyway, praise God. I'm thankful for the Spirit of the Lord here today, aren't you? For the richness of His ministry. We must understand his desire to use us. Every one of us. From the youngest to the eldest. It's his desire to work through your life for his glory. Please don't exclude yourself. Please don't exclude yourself. You know. Brother Ruben's an electrician. I guess I can call you that, right? Yeah, is that fair? Yeah, most days. Um, I am not. Um, I mean, like I can change out a light bulb. Uh, that does not an electrician make, by the way. Um, I I can even change out like a a socket in a wall if I have to. I can change out an outlet, or I can change a light switch out, or. And if you give me three tries, I can even change out a light switch that's a three-way light switch. And so, if you've ever done that before, you know what I'm talking about. That doesn't make me an electrician. You know, if, if, if Brother Reuben and I are working together on a project, 
and we were rewiring a house. And he was asking me to go grab this roll of wire and cut him off a 150-foot strand. I'm making up stuff, not an electrician. And asked me to grab him, you know, four outlets and three single polarity switches. And, and I would say, all right, I'm glad to do it. I wouldn't get irritated at him because he didn't let me wire all the stuff. Why wouldn't I get irritated at him? Well, simple. I don't know how to do what he's doing. That's not my talent. Matter of fact, I want, I'm thankful that he knows how to do that. Because I'm going to be like, bro, have at it. Right? How can I help? What can I do? That would help. Don't ask me to start touching wires and doing all that stuff. Because we might get in trouble. But I'm going to support you every way I can so that we can do this efficiently. You know, we understand that, don't we, right? Right? Um, We must understand that so it is in the body of Christ. There are different giftings and different talents in the body. And so, but we all are working on the same job. I can say it that way. We're all working for the same purpose. His kingdom, his will, the furthering of the gospel in the earth. And so I can't try to do what Brother Reuben does. We're designed differently. We have different giftings and talents. But I have to do it. I can grab wire. I can grab switches. How can I help you? What can I do to be of service? How can I? We can all do something in the. And so let's make sure we don't fall in that comparing stuff but come alongside wherever we can. Amen? And thank God for electricians. Philippians chapter 2. We referenced this a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I think. I want to visit this again. And I think I'm going to be Pretty quick this morning. Praise God. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Philippians chapter 2. I'm just going to start at verse 1 right there again. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love. If any fellowship of the spirit. If any bowels and mercies, anybody interested in fellowshipping the spirit? Yeah, me, most of us, all of us. That scripture is pretty clear. If any fellowship of the spirit. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like minded. Having the same love being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife. Or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. It's easy for us to think ourselves better than somebody else. That's not the admonition of Scripture. Scripture says, let us to esteem other better than ourselves. 
That doesn't mean we're supposed to think lowly of ourselves in terms of like this negative self-image. We talked about that briefly the other night. But the idea is that I don't let competition creep into my spirit so that I try to make myself feel better about myself by looking for somebody that I think is less than I am in a certain area. Does that make sense? I seek to esteem each other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're talking about the work of the kingdom of God that we're in. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That verse could literally be interpreted, let your way of thinking be the way of thinking that Jesus Christ had. Who, this is how he thought, who, being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7. Watch what he did. This is what Jesus Christ did. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, watch what he did. He humbled himself. Everybody say he humbled himself. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, verses 5 through 8 are one sentence. And so you look at that, there's a lot packed into that one sentence. The thing, each building on the other. But I want us to notice something. There's, there's something the Lord has continually been talking to me about for a little while. Jesus was our example. We know that. And it says of him that he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Um, it was not a fake humility. Does that make sense? It wasn't a case of him going, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just nobody. I'm... That's not what that was. He didn't do that. He humbled himself. In other words, he did not seek to promote who he was. He was God in the flesh. But he knew if he promoted himself as God in the flesh, men would begin to worship a man. And then when the man Christ Jesus died, we understand God didn't die. The flesh that he was robed in died. When the man, Christ Jesus, because he was all God and all man. When the man, Christ Jesus, died. It's what we saw for a moment. The disciples were like, what do we do now? We don't know what to do. I, Peter said, I guess I'm just going to go do what I knew to do before he came along. I'm, I'm going fishing. And we give Peter a bad rap, but it says, and the others went with him. They all just decided to, I don't know what to do. The man is gone. And so they all went fishing. 
back to their old life. That's, by the way, where they were when he came and had bread and fish on the fire. That song we sung about, it was from Scripture. That's the other thing I like about those old songs. A lot of them are rooted in the Word. And so, of course, he rose again three days later and showed himself to them. And there was a region. But then... Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. They saw him ascend. They saw the form of God ascend, right? And so there was no longer a man, Christ Jesus, walking on the earth. But if he had, throughout his three, three and a half years of earthly ministry, if the Lord Jesus had been drawing men to himself as a man... That's why when he healed people, he said, don't tell anybody. When he opened the blinded eyes, don't tell anybody. He, wasn't tr- he was wanting the glory to all go to God so that when the man wrapped in flesh, when the robe of flesh was no longer around, men were still glorifying God and trusting the work of God. And so what did he do? He humbled himself so that men would never look to a man but always look to God. That's why he did it. How did he humble himself? Obedience. Obedience to what? Obedience to servanthood. Which led to death. I'm not old, right, Brother Lewis? But I'm not young either, right, Violet? Somewhere in between. But I, I am old enough to know this. If I don't humble myself and I keep pursuing the kingdom of God and a relationship with Him and being used by Him and working in the kingdom, if I do not humble myself, He will humble me. And he will humble you. And so how do I humble myself? The same way he did. Obedience. Obedience to servanthood. The heart of a servant. The moment I become too good to serve, there's a pretty good chance I'm full of pride. Well, can't you get somebody else to do that? This isn't something I've dealt with, by the way. I'm just, the Lord's helping us. This is important for because he's wanting to use us like we prayed about just a few minutes ago. And so this humility, God-given, godly humility is critical for him to use us the way he wants to use us. Because if we're lifted up in pride and he starts using us, we're going to start seeking to take the glory. And no flesh will glory in his presence. And so here's what will happen. Pride will deceive you. And pride will deceive me. And you and I will start thinking if I'm full of pride. Man, you know what? I'm somebody. I laid hands on a person and they were healed. I'm somebody. And we'll get lifted up in pride. And the scripture is very clear. He that thinketh he stands, take heed lest he fall. Pride goeth before what? Destruction. 
doesn't say pride goes before a little stumble. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall. And so what must I do if the Lord is going to use us and he's going to, he's using us now and he has greater things he's wanting to do in, with, and through us. He is wanting to fulfill Mark 16 through your life and mine. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall take up serpents and they shall not harm them. If they drink any deadly thing or poison, I think it used the word, it shall not harm. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll speak with new tongue. These things follow those that believe but what happens if you and I are going around laying hands on the sick and they're being healed recoveries take miracles are happening and then we're full of pride and I start seeking the attention I start seeking the credit I start seeking the glory that's never God's intent and so he invites us to follow his example which is to humble ourselves through obedience, humble ourselves as a servant. That's what he exampled. I was touching on the end last week when he began to wash the disciples' feet. He humbled himself. Now, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. But if I don't humble myself, the Lord has ways. He has ways. I have, thankfully, in hindsight, I have thankfully experienced some of those ways. Because you understand it's the love of God that will humble you. Not the punishment of God. It's the love of God that will humble you because he desires to use you and I. And so he seeks to humble us so that he can. That's the love of God. What does he use? Oh, he'll use circumstances. He will use circumstances to humble you. You ever, you don't have to raise your hand. You ever felt like, man, everything is going good. Everything's going right. I have got it together. Life is clicking. I am the man or the woman. I am. It is like. It is going on, and, and then all of a sudden something happens, and you're like, oh, my goodness, what in the world just happened? And you, you were in control. I mean, you were, you were in control, and life was, everything was in order. And then all of a sudden this circumstance came along, or, or maybe it was building, and you just sort of left it there, but it kept, and over time it finally just caught. And where once you were just bold as a lion, now you're feeling like meek as a mouse. And what happened? circumstances came along and humbled you and I. Anybody relate to that? But we are stubborn, aren't we? Here's how stubborn we are. Or here's how stubborn I am. If, if this fits, you can just receive it into your spirit and say, yes, Lord, but the heart's not alone. Here's how stubborn we are. The Lord will bring stuff to humble us. Circumstances will take place. And we'll be going through it, but we're like... Ooh, i got to keep it together. I don't want anybody to know I'm having to get through. I'm not t- saying we need to go, oh, look at all my trouble and pain and sorrow. You understand? But pride will go, well, just, okay, go through it, but don't let anybody know. Just everything's all together. 
And again, I'm not saying I need to run. Say, oh, Brother Lewis, I need to tell you every problem, pain, pressure. Boy, poor me. I'm, God's really humbling me and all this stuff is happening. I'm not talking about that. You understand? But I have to be honest before God. Honest before God. And allow him. Some of the things in your life, if you and I were to look back at circumstances in our life and say, man, if I could have changed it, I would have never done that. Or I would have never let that happen. But those things that the enemy meant to destroy you, the Lord in his great grace, because you kept yourself pursuing him and aligned with him. The Lord said, I'll take that circumstance the enemy meant to destroy you and I'll use it to humble you so I can use you. So I can use you. The enemy would want to hold that over your head if you would allow the enemy to hold the past over your head. But when you plead the blood, you understand, ah, no, that was a choice I made, but God used it for glory. It humbled me, and now I understand how much I need him, and he can use me. So the Lord will use circumstances. The Lord will use failure. How many of you like to fail? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. None of us, right? Why is that? Pride wants to get it right. Right? Any competitive people in the room? Three of you? (laughs) There's like this. (laughs) Come on now. Any competitive people in the room? Yeah, buddy. How come there's a lot of guys but no ladies hardly raising their hands? What's up with that? Yeah. Thank you, Sister Artie and Lisa back here. Thank you all. Ladies are competitive, too, just about different things. Right? You know, you know what the root of competition is? Pride. The root of all competition is pride. Pride. Am I telling you you should never compete in anything? No. You just got to know there's a root there. That if you don't put that root under subjection to the Lord, pride will get in your heart and take hold. I'm probably, was probably, I don't think anymore, old age and lack of ability. I I was probably one of the most competitive people you would ever meet. Driven, competitive. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just telling you the truth. And the Lord would use that to show me just how much flesh was still alive in this old man. That he needed to get under control. Under his control. And it's rooted in pride. And so the Lord will allow failure to humble us. It's not punishment. It's his desire to bring us in a place of humility like he walked in so that he can use us. Now, if I would have started today and said, how many of you want to be used by God? Right. And then I said, great, God's getting ready to humble you. You'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Because there's nothing about being humbled that sounds real good, does it? It's the blessing of the Lord. 
It's the blessing of the Lord. And so we should not resist the humbling of God. We should seek to receive it into our lives the way he wants to do it. Because he's doing it with purpose. And his purpose is to get a vessel postured that he can flow through and minister through. I, I see so many of you. And some of you I've known since you were kids or teenagers or younger. And I've watched seasons in your life. And I've seen how those seasons have shaped you, changed you. You know, when I was, when I was 19, I was invincible, Brother Lewis. All 168 pounds of me was invincible. Right? Anybody ever been there, invincible? Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm not invincible anymore. Not even close. I used to think I was, brother, I feel. I'm not anymore. I, I'm not so deceived anymore. What, what happened between 18 and 48? I'll tell you what happened. Life happened. And life by the grace of God, God using life to shape and mold, God directing the footsteps of a man or a woman of God will bring you through things and to things. And some things we'll do of our own choosing, but if we'll keep pursuing Him, He'll take that circumstance and turn it and use it for His purpose. I'm not saying God causes us to sin. Don't misunderstand me today. But we will make choices in our life that we're not proud of. But God, if we'll keep pursuing Him, will take those things and when we repent, He'll turn our heart and He'll use them that they now humble us and we come to him with a broken spirit and a contrite heart and he receives us to himself and begins to use us without us ever stepping into that trap again of thinking well I got this now God I'll call you when I need you humility that comes from him the prodigal son we use him a lot we talk about him that scripture is very powerful you know, the, pro the word prodigal just means somebody that just spins. The word prodigal is a spendthrift. Don't think about spending. They just spin. The prodigal son, that's what he did. And then we find him ultimately in a pig pen. Remember the story? He's in a pig pen and he's eating the food that pigs eat just so he can survive. He had lived in... Nice home, things provided, cared for. He probably thought, man, I got it made. He finally, one day, he knew how, he realized, man, I know a lot. And so he went to dad and said, dad, why don't you give me what's mine? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. And he took what was his and he went out doing his own thing. And I don't know how long it took. The scripture doesn't tell us the time frame, but I'm sure it didn't take very long. He'd spent everything he had. Scripture says he'd wasted his substance on riotous living. He'd spent everything he had and he found himself in a pig pen. Working in a pig pen and eating their food to survive. You think he was humbled? Yeah, I think so. And the scripture says he returned to his father. 
He planned his speech ahead of time, right? You read it in Scripture. He said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to approach it. He said, I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I am no longer worthy to be thy son. Make me as one of thy hired, what? Servants. Ah, there's a spirit of humility. Servanthood. Now, his father didn't try to make him a servant any more than the Lord desires to make you a servant. Yes, he desires us to serve him, but we are called to be sons of God. And if we live and we walk in servanthood our whole life without ever walking in sonship, we're living beneath our privilege. But the boy never really realized the beauty and the power and the blessing of sonship until he had learned what it was to have humility. He definitely had some benefits of sonship, but he didn't understand and appreciate the fullness of sonship until he'd learned humility. We want the Lord to use us. We got to let him humble us. Real quick, a couple other verses. Flip over to chapter 4 of Philippians. I think that's the right place. Philippians 4 and verse 12. Or 10. Philippians 4 and 10. Remember the Apostle Paul? He was smart. I mean, really. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, learned at feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers of his day, a known name. He sat at his feet and learned the law. Concerning the law, he was perfect. Touching the law, Scripture says he was perfect. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That means he was elite. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He, I mean, he had it going on. He had a pedigree. He's the one that wrote this book. Listen to what he says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. Notice what he says. For I have learned. Everybody say learned. Ah, that's important. I have learned. What did he learn? I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, he's still talking about what he learned when we go to verse number 12. Watch what he says. I know both how to be abased. That's humbled. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Fool and hungry, that doesn't make sense. What was he saying? He's saying, I'm instructed that I've got to learn what I have is enough. But I never settle for where I am when God's still leading my life. I'm full and I'm hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. But watch verse 13. We quote this one a lot. I can do all things. That's an invincible statement, isn't it? I can do all things. But notice his frame of mind now. He's not young anymore. He's had some experiences. He's not 
pointing back to, well, I learned from Gamaliel, so I can do anything. I sat at the feet of the greatest teacher. I, I've, done, I've got this pedigree. I came from here. These are my parents. This is my. He's not pointing to any of that anymore. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's the voice of humility. He's been humbled. How did the Lord humble him? The Lord struck him down on a road to Damascus and said, by the way, what you think you're doing is right is wrong. You're persecuting me, the very God you proclaim to be fighting for. And you've been confused. You want to talk about humbling. And he's reflecting on all of the children of God that he's persecuted. You want to talk about humbling. Can't take that back. He stood by when Stephen was stoned and watched it happen. Can't take that back. You think he didn't have some things hanging over his head? When the Lord revealed that to him, he was humbled. Then God could use him. He humbled himself. Now, one of the places, 1 Peter, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 5. This is important for us that the Lord does this in our life and in our spirit. First Peter five and five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea. Pause right there just a second. I had this thought pass through my spirit when I read that. I remember when I was a, a little boy. I must have been 10. Um, and we were flying to Alaska, my mom and my sisters. And I, we were going, uh, my dad was already there. We were going there to join with him. He was in the military. And um, we were on a plane, obviously flying. And in an exchange with people, I had said to, I don't know if it was a man or a woman. I just remember these certain parts of it. Uh, a conversation took place and I had at 10 years old said, well, thank you, or yes, sir, y yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, something like that. I don't remember what, but to that end, thank you, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. And the individual commented to my mom about how kind and respectful a young man I was. When I was 10 years old, I wasn't kind and respectful. I just knew that I was supposed to say thank you and yes, sir, and no, sir. You understand? <laughs> my mom and my dad had taught me, you respect your... Ah, you've heard that before. You've heard that before. You respect your elders. I was never allowed to call an elder by their first name. Anybody ever grow up that way? A few of us. What'd you call them? If you knew their name, what'd you call them? We always had to call them Mr. or Mrs. and use their last name. Anybody else grow up that way? Just me. 
No, that was probably, maybe that was a, uh, Joel did. Yeah, like, like if I was a kid, and I'm not telling you to like to do this at church, but if I, if I was a kid and I was speaking to Brother Lewis as an adult, I would never call him Lewis. I would call him Mr. Rodriguez. That's how that, my parents were like, you, he's Mr. Rodriguez to you. All of our neighbors, I, I don't know any of their first names when I was a kid. We moved a lot, but it was always Mr. and Mrs. Uh, what were they teaching? They were trying to teach me there's a level of respect you have for an elder. We got a lot of kids in our congregation. Amen? Thank God for that. Parents, teach your children this. I'm not saying Mr. or Mrs. That's, you understand, you, you can take it to. But at least teach your children that, hey, you respect your elders. In church, out of church, in the grocery store, no matter what, you respect your elders. If, if an elder, an adult says to you, hey, 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 you should go with your mom. You respect your elders. I, I remember, I remember getting in trouble at church one time. I know it's hard to believe. There was a, there was an elder, boy, they got on to me. They were, they, I mean, they weren't out of place. It wasn't like they were trying to rule the roost in the church. But they saw this kid acting the way he shouldn't, and so they came and rightfully and kindly brought me in order and took me to my parents. It, it, you know, they didn't, like, start spanking me in the church or anything like that. They were, hey, you know, so, come on, come on. I'm going to take you to your mom and dad. Let's go. And, and uh, you know, they said it nicely, kindly, respectfully, said a couple things, took me there. You know, my mom and dad, when we got home, my mom and dad did not go. I don't know who they thought they were trying to crack my little Joey. No, you know what they did? I'll tell you what happened. Of all the audacity, Brother Rigo, my dad sided with them instead of me. Don't you ever. And I got a spanking. We live in a day and an hour now where parents are siding with their children over those in authority. We watch it happen. They're siding with their children over those in authority and what it's doing without them even realizing it. They're undermining authority in their eyes of the children at an early age. And so the children grow up with no respect for authority in their life at all because they never learn this principle of Scripture. You younger, submit yourselves to the elder. I know it's a side note, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We got a lot of kids in our congregation. Parents... Teach your children to respect their elders. Don't let them disrespect you as a parent. The hottest I ever got probably towards one of my kids was when I heard them mouth off to my wife. Oh my goodness, Brother Lewis. I responded before I realized what I'd done. It set me off, Carlos. I was set off. Don't allow your children to disrespect you. Right? Now, respect them when you correct them. But don't allow. If you allow them to do that, you are teaching them to subvert and have no respect for authority. It's the reason why the writer said, you spare the rod, you're going to spoil the child. 
right? Talked about some things that were in the heart of a child, but he said the rod of correction would drive it from them. He knew what he was talking about. That was a little side note. Let's finish here. Younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Now, this is Peter writing. We read in Philippians where Paul was writing. But it's sounding the same way, isn't it? Be subject one to the other. That's what Paul was saying. That's what Paul said. Peter said, subject one to the other. Paul said, submit yourselves one to the other. Be subject one to the other and be clothed with what? Humility. Clothe there is something that wraps around you. Be clothed with humility. Why? For God does what to the proud? He resists the proud. I do not want God resisting me. I want him to draw me close. God resisteth the proud. But watch what he does to the humble. He gives grace. What is grace? Grace is the enabling power of God to do what I cannot do myself. And so when I humble myself, I acknowledge my inability. I acknowledge my need of him. I honestly and openly acknowledge my shortcomings before him and cry out to him in humility. You know what he does? He gives me grace and his grace enables me to do what I cannot do myself. That's the gift of humility. But pride says, no, I got this. I got this. I'm okay. And so God just resists and lets us go our way. And we keep struggling and fighting. And Verse 6. Humble yourselves. This is how. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? It's with purpose. Stand with me this morning, please. It is with purpose. The admonition of the Apostle Peter is with purpose. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you in due time. Look, the Lord is wanting to use each and every one of us in this hour for His purpose in the earth. He's wanting us to lay hands on the sick and then recover. He's wanting us to pray with someone in need and watch a miracle take place. You're doing this. He's wanting to do it on greater measure and greater scale. He's got doors open. It's the timing of God that we're stepping into. He's wanting to do this. And so he's inviting us. He's saying, I want to exalt you in ways so I can do that. Let you be willing to humble yourselves under my mighty hand. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. One of the surest signs of pride and the lack of humility is when my expression is one of, you know what, I can fix this, I can solve this, I've got it figured out, I've got it under control. And we feel the weight of all that we're carrying. Trying to get it all the work and all the fit. Versus casting all of our care upon him. And knowing he cares for us. In the name of Jesus. Would you talk to him right now? Jesus. Every single one of us has said we are here. Use us. 
I pray, dear God, your spirit of humility, the mind of Christ, your spirit of humility, the mind of Christ, your spirit of humility, the mind of Christ. Father, that we allow you to humble us, not thinking ourselves better than another, but knit together in the body of Christ for the work of the kingdom of God. Knit together, Father, you see and know the purpose and plan that you have for every individual in this room. You understand our frame. You've made us. We're but dust. But you can take dust and form something beautiful and work through it. I pray in each one of us, Father, your spirit of humility. Let your word and spirit reveal areas of pride that we would lay them on the altar before you and humble ourselves before you that you can use us the way you intend, work through us the way you intend without any pursuit of credit without any element of competition, Father, but in purity of heart, in singleness of mind, that you would be glorified and your will would be wrought in the earth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Grant us your spirit of humility. Quicken in our lives these areas that you are reaching to. Use the things of life and your wisdom to bring us in alignment with your will and your plan, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we desire your will and your work in our lives and in our hearts for your glory. That people would be drawn to you. That people would be drawn to you. That people would be drawn to you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the scripture says, He will exalt you. It was Christ that said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He, of course, was speaking of being lifted up on a cross and then drawing men to Him. We need to understand God's desire is to lift us up. But that's not to give us a name. That's not to make us famous. That's not to draw attention to us in any way. His desire to lift us up is so that all men would be drawn to him. It's why this element of humility is so critical in our lives and our walk with God. You know what the beauty of it is? Is when his humility is working in our lives and then thereby his spirit is working in and through our lives. We never feel any pressure to produce anything. We never feel any pressure to perform. You know, competition is performance. But when I have his spirit of humility, I don't feel any pressure to perform, to do anything. I, I just want to have the heart of a servant. I just want to obey him, do what he asks of me. And when I do what he asks of me, he does what he says he'll do. And he gets all the glory. I feel no pressure. I'm just yielded to him. I'm just his son, his servant. He's God. I'm not. And I'm thankful for that arrangement. Amen. Let him use you. Praise God. Greet somebody.
You're dismissed in the name of Jesus today. Oh, real quickly, before you go, announcements I have to make. Thank you, my dear wife, for the reminder. We will not, we will not have service next Sunday here. We will have service. We will not have service here next Sunday. Next Sunday will be Life Church United. All three of the congregations will be coming together uh, in Kent. So please plan on that. The service starts at 2.30. Uh, by all means, feel free to carpool, connect, do that. Um, all three congregations will be meeting there at 2.30. We will get that address out to all of you if you're on WhatsApp. If you're not, reach out to my wife or I or Elder Flowers and Sister Flowers. We'll get that address to you. That's at 2.30. Please plan to be there. I know people travel two, three hours for a day of baseball games. People travel two or three hours for a day in Seattle of entertainment. I promise you it's worth traveling two hours for a day together with the body of Christ. And so plan on that. That's next Sunday, June the 9th at 2.30 in Kent. We will not have service here. Um, All of you that are single, and I done forgot the ages, 18 18 to 35 or 6. If you're single and you're 18 to 35 or 36, there is a special event planned just for you next Sunday. Uh, following service. It is from 6 to 9. From 6 to 9, a three-hour window. They're going to have bowling, uh, and it's, it's inclusive, so it's not like you're just mixed in with everybody. It's, a, it's just all the, those from the three congregations that are single, 18 to 36 in that group. Bowling, all-you-can-eat pizza, wings, and ice cream. Man, that sounds pretty exciting to me. I'm not single. Well, and I'm over 36, so there's two strikes against me. And it's just not looking good for me to sneak my way in there, is it? Maybe they need a chaperone. Okay. So from six, it will be a great time for those of you that are 18 to 36, single, from 6 to 9 p.m. bowling. Uh, looks like they're going to have... Uh, pool table set up for you. All you can eat pizza, wings, and ice cream. Flat fee, 36 bucks. Flat fee, 36 bucks. You'd spend that for eating out and going out and doing something, and you'll be together with a bunch of other uh, in that group. If you are in that group and you believe you will be going, you're like, no, I'm committed. I want to do that. That sounds fun. I want to be a part. Would you please come right up here so I can talk with you very quickly? Thank you. Last thing I have. Saturday, June the 29th. Uh, That's three, four weeks away. Saturday, June the 29th. And we'll get this on WhatsApp as well. From 9 to 12, we'll have three hours here at the church. Uh, We've had different ones coming to us, and the Lord's been stirring our heart anyway. From 9 to 12, we will be teaching and instructing on biblical stewardship and finance. Biblical stewardship and finance. Saturday, June the 29th from 9 to 12. It will be all three hours. It will be casual. We'll have some refreshments and coffee and stuff like that. 
If at all possible, I'm asking you to plan for that. Saturday, June the 29th, 9 to 12. God bless you. Now you're dismissed. Those of you that are in that group that believe